welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that is why every single week I bring on a guest with tools to really help you long-term upgrading your confidence, both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so grateful to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. They create the highest quality CBD on the market, and it's this trust I have with their brand that has led me to use their products every single day. Everything they make is organically farmed, gluten-free, with absolutely no THC in it. And today, I want to tell you about one of their game-changer products that probably everyone needs, especially when they're having a stressful week and they're on the go, and it's called Soul CBD's Dream CBD Capsules. Each capsule has 25 milligrams of pure CBD and 2.5 milligrams of melatonin. So whenever I travel to a different time zone, these are what allow me to get past the jet lag. I simply take one every night of my travels about 30 minutes before bed, and it pretty much guarantees me to be able to sleep through the night. And after four to five nights traveling and taking them every night, I'm officially on the new time zone. I also take a dream CBD capsule the night before a really big or important work day. Like if I have a meeting that really matters, a speaking engagement that might be keeping me up in my thoughts all night. What I love about the dream CBD capsules the most is that I never wake up groggy the next day. I'm refreshed. CBD and melatonin truly go together like peanut butter and jelly. So to get your dream CBD capsules now and to be on to better sleeps, head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul and make sure you use the code U-Turn at checkout for 15% off your order. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L and use the code U-Turn. Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get in to this week's episode. You have to live a life worth commenting on, right? So it's like, going out there, doing things, getting messy, like having experiences and then like clocking that and being like, oh, I feel like I could put this somewhere, right? Like I feel like this could go into a song. I feel like this feeling could go into a painting or like I want to just go to ceramics and like feel my feelings and like get in there with some clients. What's going on, U-Turn friends? I have such a beautiful treat for you today. I heard about Katie Dale about quite some time ago through some friends. She's an author. She's a podcast host, a host in general, a producer, and she's the founder of Let It Out. She has a creative membership for fellow creatives out there in the world, and her podcast is super epic called Let It Out with Katie Dale Bout, and she just has so much soul in her episodes. And so I wanted to bring her on today to talk about your mindset and how you can be more creative because I don't know, there's nothing quite like a pandemic and being stuck in your house to feel stale or feel like you need a shift in energy to be more creative. And I know for me, traveling was one of the ways that I kept myself creative. So I'm really excited to talk to her about breakups, about creativity, about being raw, about making an impact and being who you are. And I'm just so excited. I hope you have your notepad in front of you. 
Hi, Katie. Thank you for being here. Oh, what an intro. We've been talking for a long time um, before we started recording, and we both are just so excited because you're doing my podcast as well today, and we are saying we've rescheduled this and and like had to move it a million times but I'm so happy to be talking to you and that was such a sweet intro so thank you so much yeah thank you no please and I I have to start off by asking you because I feel like everyone who talks about creativity or heartache they have such a real story so what is it about creativity heartache and just all of these soul conversations you're having what what were you what sparked this in your life and 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 podcasting for the past decade as well Oh, wow. I mean, dude, like so many things, you know, I mean, I think we, we all kind of come into what we're doing, or at least that's been the case for me, not from um, like that Steve Jobs quote, that's like, you can't connect the dots moving forward, you know, like only going back. And, you know, when I was in college, I wanted to be a TV news reporter. And so I was studying so for pot, it's different for all of those things, you know, like I, I never thought I would like make a project on the internet about breakups. I just like had a really intense heartbreak. And like what I do when something is happening in my life is I talk about it on the internet because I grew up on the internet, you know? And, um, so that's that, but as far as the podcast, yeah, I was, I was studying, studying journalism and I, I knew immediately in college that I wanted to study journalism because I was a theater kid and I really wanted to be an actor and I definitely have a personality that like wants to be seen and I love that you can own that that's a wonderful people yeah yeah and I just like I liked performing but I also like didn't have any self-confidence and I was like well I'm not good enough or talented enough or pretty enough but like so I went to school for journalism and I started studying environmental journalism and then I like quickly was like I do want to do broadcast actually and and so I switched from environmental journalism to broadcast journalism and all the prereqs for broadcast were radio classes so we were like studying NPR and podcasts like were actually around then but like I didn't know about them you know it was like before I had an iPhone um but they were I I teach this course about podcasting. I help other people start podcasts now. And so I did all this research on the history of podcasts for that when I was creating it. And podcasts have actually been around since like early 2000s, you know, as soon as the iPod was invented, the podcast was invented. Um, So that's where pod comes from, the iPod and then cast like broadcast like a a show. Um, So, you know, they've been around for a while, but it wasn't something you could study back then. And, you know, I have a friend who was like my old intern. She went to NYU and, and, and she studied podcasting, you know, cause she's like five years younger than me. <laughs> so it's just pretty interesting, but I stumbled upon it. Cause I, I was really into wellness at the time. I had, I was teaching yoga and I had a wellness blog called the wellness wonderland. And I just wanted to do that after college. And, but I also wanted to make money and live on my own. So I ended up um, getting a full-time job and doing everything on the side. And eventually like to get up to the present, like speed round, basically I, um, I moved away, worked this full-time job, did everything on the side. The blog turned into a podcast. um, And that was in 2013. And so that's like, you know, nearly 400 episodes ago. And 
nearly 10 years ago and I, I've been doing it ever since. And then eventually I, um, you know, moved to New York and, and then uh, moved out of New York and traveled for a long time. And now I'm in LA, but I uh, left the full-time job and somewhere in there, I got a book deal. And then that kind of like launched things to a point where I could leave the full-time job. And, um, and, and here I am. So it, it definitely evolved in a way that like, I never could have expected. I was just kind of following what was working for me, which I think is the creative process. It's like, follow what is working instead of focusing on what isn't working has always been the most effective solution than trying a more effective solution than trying to fix what isn't working for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually brings me to asking you about journaling because I know that you have gone through your own journey with food and wellness and also with breakups. So, and and self-discovery in general, which I know that journaling has been such a portal for you. And I love journaling on my email newsletter. We tell our um, subscribers a journal prompt every single week on Mondays. And so this is like something I'm so into. So I'm curious, like, what are some journal prompts or what is it about journaling that you would recommend for everybody listening? And, And for those of you who are listening, she has an entire book about journaling. So definitely make sure you check that out. Yeah. So my book is about journaling. It's called Let It Out, same as the podcast. And, you know, it's called Let It Out because I tend to hold everything in, right? Like I grew up in the Midwest with this family that like never really talks about anything. And I grew up, you know, like I didn't know what I was feeling. I, I just knew I was feeling something maybe, and I couldn't articulate it or explain it. And that was really challenging for me. And I never like been honest with myself. I was always, you know, putting on like a a show to morph to whatever I thought people wanted or needed from me. And I think, you know, that that was tough. You know, I think I, I didn't really, I was able, I was really good at being a chameleon to whatever people needed. And then you know, one, the impetus of my book was I was in treatment for an eating disorder. So that got me into therapy really young. Um, or not that young, but I was in college. And because of that, I was able to, you know, have a bit of self-awareness and self-reflection. And I got really into self-help and personal growth, like in that process. And I was in a Barnes and Noble before I wrote the book. And I, I've told the story like a million times, but basically I was in the self-help section looking for the next, you know, diet book, wellness book, or like spirituality book to like solve all my problems, you know? And then I wandered out of the self-help section into the stationary section and I bought this colorful journal and I started writing in it that summer. And I was just asking myself questions like, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. You know, where are you blocking yourself? You know, and I, I was just asking these really good questions and And I believe if you ask a good question, you'll get a good answer from your intuition. And, you know, the, the only way to journal wrong is to, to not do it really. And and write for someone else, right? Like write exclusively for you, not thinking about someone else reading it, not thinking even about your future self reading it. I often write and just throw it away. Mm -hmm. And that was so freeing for me because it was the first time I'd ever been myself. And it was the first time I got, it helped me to get to know myself. And it was the first time I was ever honest or authentic or, or real. And I think that is something that I think about still all the time of like how, you know, I have a tendency to 
um, you know, feel like I can very easily, like I'm almost like too socially aware. Like I can read the room so well that I'll abandon myself to um, the needs of other people. And that never feels good, you know? And I really have to like clock it and, and watch myself do it. Cause it, it just comes up in, in ways that are imperceptible to me. Um, and so anyway, so that summer I just started writing in this colorful journal and I felt better. And I, I was able to say my really raw, authentic thoughts that were dark, you know, that I didn't want anyone to see or would scare people if they saw. And I also wrote these really light, happy, bright, lofty goals that I didn't want anyone to see because I'd have to like claim I actually wanted that, you know? And that was really freeing. And so I kept doing it. And then I was like, eventually it it helped me so much that I was, you know, kind of giving prompts to friends and people that I was working with at the time. And I would be like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You got this breakup. Like, have you ever journaled about that? Like kind of embarrassed, you know? And then I would give them like directive prompts and it helps them too. So eventually, you know, I wrote this book that is 55 journaling prompts for, you know, everything from getting organized to breakups to, you know, body image. And um, I'm very cerebral. So it's a practice that's definitely in my head and I want to get more into my body, which is like a whole other conversation. But I think for me, it helps me to skim the pond scum off the top of my head of like the anxieties and the repeat thoughts and the like fears and then get to the clear water underneath, which is like new ideas, Mm -hmm. solutions, you know, like gratitude. And that's there too. But what's covering it is like, well, he texts me back, you know, (laughs) or like, is that person mad at me? You know? And, and I think that, um, getting that out, letting that out, you can get to the clear part underneath. Absolutely. And I also just want to point out, I think that this kind of reminds me in self-development in general, like everybody's kind of walking around with a different aspect of themselves. Like maybe it's heartache, maybe it's sadness, maybe it's anxiety. And it's like, no matter how much you love something, if you put some anxiety on top of it, you're not going to love the thing. Right. So it's like, um, so wonderful to hear that you have this tool and, um, I know that you went through a huge breakup. And so before I ask you about creativity, I wanted to just hear about that because I think that one of the things that I've learned is like when my heart feels really fragile, it's not that it's broken, it's just open. And we can channel so much feeling and honesty and truth. And so I'm curious, like when was this big breakup and whatever you're willing to share about what you learned from it, for anybody listening um, that feels heartache or that is feeling like their heart is very tender right now, maybe they are going through some sort of loss that is not a breakup, but their heart is is sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I ended up making something I have. It's like a two part, like self-study online course or, or zine, we call it um, the soothe kit and the solve kit. So the soothe kit is like right after a breakup when you're in that, like, I I call it, you know, you feel like you're like a raw nerve sensitive to everything. Like I remember just walking around New York city. It was the winter of 2019. Yeah. That this happened for me, January of 2019. And I was just walking around New York city, like fully weeping, you know, like I can laugh about it now because I have enough distance, but I mean, you can go back to the podcast episodes then. And like, I was at, you can, it's, it's such a, time capsule like you know you have a podcast of like what I was working on then like the things I was asking because 
you know, I'm asking questions like 10 years ago, like how many chia seeds are going in that smoothie and what's your morning routine? You know, cause I was so into wellness. And then that year it was like, have you ever had your heart broken? Do yeah. you ever feel like you want to die? You know, like I was so bleak and dark. Um, but I ended up making this soothe kit, which is for like right after a breakup. And it's a 10 day like self-study thing. All the, all the advice that had come to me, all the playlists, all, like I accumulated everything. And I'm so proud of that. And we have a physical zine, like a booklet people can do, or you can get it online. It's something emailed to you every day. And then um, you go into you know our online course and like you can have all the curriculum. And, um, and then part two, I made when I went to Bali and it's, it's called the solve kit. And it's like, I believe first you like there, there are times to soothe and there are times to solve, right? Like there are times to just soothe yourself of like, that's when you're like watching TV or calling a friend, like that's not maybe solving anything, but it's going to make you feel better in the moment. Right. And there are positive ways to soothe and there are self-harming ways to soothe. Right. And I've done a little bit of both. And I think doing a little bit of both is great. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the soothe kit. And the solve kit is when you're really ready to like, all right, I want to mine this relationship for gems. I want to figure out like own my side of it. I want to figure out how I can like learn about codependency or where I was not being my best self or where I was being selfish or where I was being, um, you know, a doormat. And I want to not recreate that in the next relationship. And I think that's really important. And there is like, it's such richness right after a relationship ends to explore that. However, I think prior to that, um, you have to sue, right? Like, that's why I say, like, somebody asked recently to buy the solve kit without doing the suit kit. And I was like, I need to, like, know how long you've, like, because I, I feel like that's a like, kind of deep work. Like, I think doing the solve kit first is really, or the suit kit first is really important. So, um, you know, and, and again, like, everything I, I do create creative consulting and the way I work with people is through my own experience. And so that's exactly what this is. It's like everything that I gathered and and took in collage together. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our really good friends over at Organifi. And what I absolutely love about them as a company is that their products are perfect for someone like me who has a busy schedule but really wants her nutrients on the go. It can be really hard to set that time aside to do the juicing or eat your greens. And that is why I've particularly fallen in love with their green juice powder. This powder has become something I just throw into my protein shake to make sure I'm getting my greens on. And oddly, I've gotten so into it that now I'm throwing it into my morning coffee with a nut milk, which somehow is making my coffee taste like a peppermint coffee. No idea how that happened. But truly, even if I had the time to juice vegetables or make massive salads, I don't always love that taste of the dark leafy greens. Their green juice powder is packed with superfoods like moringa, chlorella, mint, beetroot, matcha, wheatgrass, ashwagandha, turmeric, so much more. I always give myself a little pat on the back when I throw a scoop of their green juice powder into my day. So if you want to give their green juice powder a try, I can't recommend it enough. Head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use that U-Turn code at checkout for 20% off. And if you're weird like me and you throw some green juice powder into your coffee with your nut milk, 
please send me a DM on the gram and let me know what you think of my little concoction. All right, now let's get back to this week's episode. You know, your, to your question about creativity and, and, and heartbreak, it's like when you are that raw, like sometimes like someone told me this, that you would like be nostalgic for it or romanticize it. And I do sometimes like I, I've had a couple heartbreaks since, you know, and, but that one, like that one really tore me apart because it was someone that I've been dating for, I mean, not even that long, like three years, but you know, I really was blindsided by it. And I mean, not really, like <laughs> I knew, but I also was just bummed, you know, I wasn't ready. It wasn't my choice. I wanted to keep trying. It was so jarring to me. I was in such a bad place without him. Um, and I just never been that heartbroken before ever. And my friend Josh said this thing to me where he was like, it gets so much easier the older you get because you just get a bigger sample size mm. because you know that like after the first really big one, you don't know that you'll ever find anyone again. And then you do and you're like, oh, they were like even better for me than the last person. They all get a little bit better for you, I think, Mm -hmm. because you learn more and you evolve and that's been the case for me. And so I think, you know, with, with this, it's like, look, you just have to be present with what is and know that like, and feel all the feelings, you know, like really tune out everything and like, let it all come up and feel it and journal it and talk about it to your friends and cry and just move through it. And for me, this one took like, it took me like two years to get over it. I think there really is something that to be said about like two things that I think are really true in breakups that like no one who's in a breakup right now is going to want to hear. And one is like, it really does take time. And they say that it's like, as half the time you are in the relationship, it takes to get over someone. I think there might be some truth to that. Um, and liking someone else, the next person you like, like I had this, like, I call it like a situation ship, like someone I was like really liked and, and like was with after Nick, the, the person that I wrote this whole, my muse, <laughs> the breakup, um, content that I've now created, which I'm like kind of cringe at, but I also love that it's there and it helps people. But, um, you know, what, what's interesting about that is that like, as soon as like the next person I had a crush on, I was like, wow, I'm so over that. It's so funny. I felt so far from it, you know? And, and it it really is true that like, I think there is something to that of like having a crush on someone else. Like my friend Sophie says this thing where she says, you have to protect yourself from your own mind. And I, I really struggle with attachment issues, you know, like I'm anxiously attached. If you read that book and you know like like right now I have a crush on a new person that I like very barely started seeing like barely and I'm trying to like taper getting too high from it you know and so I really have to work on like all right I gotta distract myself from getting excited about that by like living my life and doing my work and being around my friends and maybe like since it's so early like dating other people or getting excited about other people knowing other people are out there not putting all my eggs in one basket which is like a whole different podcasts about dating we're talking about breakups but I think it's like that is information I learned only because of these other breakups and like this this kind of non-relationship relationship I was in in the pandemic after first relationship first thing after Nick um you know when that ended it ended in a really like slow since it was a non-relationship non-breakup that 
was months and like on and off. And, um, and that was interesting because I knew what to do. Like I could, I could clock the feelings and be like, Ooh, I'm feeling heartbreak. I'm feeling the, like the energy of that, of like, there isn't my friend, Carolina says there's like a creative energy to, to heartbreak. I mean, think about it. Like there's so many songs that have been written about it and, um, you know, movies. And so like, it's a very creative energy to be in, but she pointed out that like what happened in, in this for me is that like, that was kind of fun to sit in and you listen to the songs and you feel your feelings and you cry. And I was like really in my body and like, that was good. But then the part that she was like, Oh, that's not good is when I went into self like hate kind of, of I really breaking it down of like, if I had just said this then, and if I had just been what he wanted more, if I had just been able to be myself more, if I had said this, or if I had, you know, maybe if we had met in this other way, or if I had more going on, cause there's the pandemic, you know, all of that is really unproductive and distracting. And anytime you go into low self-worth, like that isn't good. Like feeling the heartbreak of like, sometimes things work out. Sometimes they don't like there's richness to that. Right. And there was so much richness to this ending of like, it was so lovely. Like it was a really great thing we had going for a while that like just kind of fizzled out and didn't work out. And we weren't, you know, so much of life is timing too, you know? And maybe if I had met him next year or today or three years before I did, like that would have become a thing, but it didn't. And just being like, Oh, Oh, well, instead of attachment to like, that was it. He was so amazing. And he liked me and he like gave me attention back. And like, like staying in that is when you're breaking yourself down, that's when you need to shift focus. When you're looking at it in this like nostalgic, romanticizing way, that's fine if it's like creative, but you have to really be discerning. And there's a real self-honesty to determine which way you're going with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's something about nostalgia that I notice is that um, when we are nostalgic, like a lot of the times it's kind of like unprocessed grief, but it's like we sometimes just, it's rose-colored glasses. We see things as we, I don't know, in this romanticized way. And one thing that was coming up as I was listening to you talk is just this idea of indulging. Like there's such a big difference between processing and healing and indulging and getting lost in your feelings. You know what I mean? And I don't know, it just reminds me of like when I'm crying and then I look in the mirror and I cry harder, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. so I'm curious, (laughs) what, what, what did you do with all of this heartache and how did you use it to be more creative? And I know you have a four-step process around creativity and you have a group that you, and a membership around creativity. So I'm excited to kind of hear like, how did you harness this heartache and turn it into being highly creative and when was that moment that you kind of shifted out of that kind of heart? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that about crying harder. I do that too. Like I remember meeting my friend Paige in a hotel lobby and just fully weeping. Like I wrote an essay about this because I was so sad that sometimes like seeing another person or friend who's like, oh, it's okay. And then you're like, it is okay. And then you're just sort of like even more sad. And And I think there is something about like, leaning into something. Cause I know, you know, this like what we resist persists. Right. So I think there definitely is something to, you know, just leaning into it and allowing. And, I, and that's something that I 
um, yeah, that I just had to do. Um, so in, in, in connection to creativity, you know, I think, um, there's something really, it cracks you open, right? Like going back to nostalgia, there's this Richard Greenberg quote, have you heard this? Where he says, nostalgia is just longing for a time you knew you could survive, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I always say that, like, I'm nostalgic for, like, last week, you know? Like, and, and honestly, like, I, I literally just said this to pals because, like, I went to Michigan for a week and the week before I left, like, I had had such a great week. I'm babysitting my friend's dog. I'm, like, hanging out with friends, like, running into people, kismet things happening, great time, like, a really good date, like, all this stuff happening. And then I, like, left and went to Michigan. And I was, like, so nostalgic for, like, three days prior, you know, <laughs> because it was just like, I got through that, you know, and this week I'll probably be nostalgic for Michigan, you know, cause it's like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this week unclear, you know? Um, and I think just taking that, like being a person, I call myself like gooey and feelings filled and, um, you know, I get overwhelmed really easily. I take in a lot. And I think just knowing that helps to be able to put it somewhere right like I often think of like songwriting right like Taylor Swift like think about Taylor Swift right she's had all these experiences and she's fallen in love and gotten her heart broken and you know had all of these like intense feelings and she can put it in a song right and that I think is very healthy to be able to take take anything that happens to you and put it somewhere you know Joan Didion and um you know Maya Angelou like all of these like great artists and writers of our time have somewhere to put something. And I think that's really healthy and correct. And, and I think we are all artists, right? Like Brene Brown says, unused creativity is not benign. Right. And, and Elizabeth Gilbert says like, don't, if you feel like you're not a creative person, like just some creativity for curiosity, like we're all curious. Like, what are you curious about? And I believe creativity is presence. Right. And so if you read the artist way by Julia Cameron, like she recommends journaling, essentially, like what she calls morning pages, writing three full pages in the morning, front, back, front, first thing upon waking up. And if you've ever done that practice or a practice like that, it's like, that is a creative act because it's self-honesty, which is present. Like when you're journaling, you can't be doing that many different things, right? And when you're heartbroken, you're like automatically more present, right? Like I couldn't really focus on anything it was it was a really nice distraction right like I couldn't really focus on anything else when I was heartbroken because I was so stuck in my little world that like I was really distracted by everything else like I was just talking to a friend who had a breakup and she like misplaced one of her ceramics and she was like it was because I was like so in my head about this happening or not happening and I was a little bit like you're like a little bit loopy like you're a little bit high it's a drug right like and it's the same thing with um the high of a new relationship, right? There's a dopamine to that. Mm -hmm. There's a serotonin to that. That's very distracting. Mm -hmm. So both of those times are very creative. They're ripe with creativity because it's presence, right? So if you're not in any of those scenarios, it's just cultivating more presence in your life. You know, I think we're very easily distractible as people. And now more so than ever with like, we just have more distractions and options. And so anything that knocks you into the present moment makes you more creative by default. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I also think, um, you know, like it, it, one of the things I've really learned, and this isn't really about creativity as much as just like making decisions and pursuing relationships is 
I used to be the type of person, and I'm curious where you stand on this, but that I used to think like connection is connection and it can, it can supersede time. Right. Um, and I do think that's true in some ways, but if there's anything I've learned in the recent years, there's something very powerful about time because time gives you an opportunity to get out of your chemicals and into the truth. And, um, the truth is what's always there, whether you're looking at it or not in a relationship and, um, time gives you space to see patterns and actually see what was a one-off and what, what is a moment that is reflection of who that person is or isn't. And so curious what your thoughts are on time and slowness. Um, because I know a lot of people, maybe they found a new friend and it feels like their best friend they always wanted, or maybe they, you know, any, anything of that nature, just curious kind of what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I had this breakup with Nick, I, my grandfather died and I had to go home for that funeral. My grandfather was like my dad. It's like a whole thing. And, and, um, Nick obviously like came and like we were broken up, but like, he didn't tell my family. It was like a whole thing. And my cousin like knew I was like weeping at a level that like wasn't congruent with a 100 year old man's death. You know what I mean? Like I was so distraught. And so she was like, what is up with, like she figured it out that Nick and I had broken up. And I remember her just like saying so much of life is timing, you know, like she had been with someone who like really wanted to have kids and like she wasn't ready then and they broke up and like, you know, then she ended up finding someone later, but like it could have worked out. Like, it's just, you know, it's just, and there's like a sadness to that. There's a grief to that. There's a loss to that because it is truly a bummer when like something could have worked if it had just been a different time or if it had just been a different day or like, you know, there's, that's a bummer and it's okay to like, allow yourself to feel the grief of that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's one thing. Um, and I think the other thing about timing is like, I have found whenever I can, I got this when I was in Bali, this person gave me this mantra of here now in this. So whenever I can come back to that and just remember that this is what's happening right now. Like, like today I, I went over to a friend's to like get some work done and power through some emails. And instead I just like hung out with her and like listened because she was going through it. And that's what needed to happen in that moment. And like the emails will be there, you know? And I think there's, there's a lesson that I learned in that relationship ending and why I took it so hard was because I was out of integrity. Right. And that's why it was so hard for me because I prioritized work and myself over another person and that felt really uncomfortable, but I learned, you know, and I think you have to just trust the timing of things. And, you know, I, I think about manifestation, right. And like, um, vision boards or setting goals or whatever. And it's like, all that stuff is like, cool. Like I've actually found a lot of, um, usefulness in those things. Like I'm not like, you know, dragging it at all. However, I think this quote from Eckhart Tolle like really sums it up where he's like, who are you to think you know what you want, you know? And that's been true for me. Like I wanted more than anything to like be with Nick forever. And that didn't happen, but turns out like that would not have been correct for me. And I wanted to move to New York and live there forever. And I did it, but like wasn't correct for me. And I really love being in California. And like, I didn't, I didn't even been here growing up. Like I had no concept to be here. So like a lot of the things I wanted and got, I was like, huh, all right. 
And then a lot of things I like couldn't even think to want, I got and I was like, oh, sick. Like, this is amazing. So I think it's just like trusting timing and that you might not even know why something's not working in the moment and to just be in that uncertainty and come back to like what is directly in front of you and nurture the garden in front of you and know that like you might be growing so big that you need a new pot and Mm -hmm. that's uncomfortable. You know, like growth is not linear. Growth is not for beginners, you know, like growth is really fucking hard. And I think you have to just like be really gentle with yourself and give yourself a lot of water and fertilizer and nourishment because you're growing and there's a pain to that. Hey, U-Turners, for this quick interruption, I want to take a moment to say thank you to our incredible sponsors over at SaneBox, an artificial intelligence-powered email tool that has been a game changer for freeing up my time and boosting my productivity. So with more than 200 to 300 billion emails going out per day and over 7 trillion emails going out each year, it's really no secret that email is kind of slowly killing all of us. In fact, recent data shows that more than half of employees feel like their email is killing them, and another study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend tending to their inboxes is spent on emails that should have never been sent to them in the first place or didn't even require their answer. This is where SaneBox comes in. With the press of just one magical button, I've been able to say goodbye to all of those time-wasting emails and hello to my sanity and my schedule again. Seriously, everyone needs them. So when you sign up at sanebox.com slash U-Turn, that's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, you'll get 14 days for free and $25 off their super affordable membership if you decide to join and you love it as much as I do. And once you'll do that, you'll be able to easily sign into your current email box and with a click of the button, you can integrate SaneBox. And I am not very tech savvy, but I've got to admit this was super easy. And from there, you'll see under your inbox folder and your sent folder, a couple new folder friends. One is going to be called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for spammy emails that you don't need to see. And the other folder you'll see is called the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag and drop emails into both of these folders that you don't want to be subscribed to anymore. Between mailing lists and cold sales emails, I'm at 100 black hold emails per week, such a big time saver, and my sane later box that takes all of these other emails I don't really need in my inbox, I check it once a week or so, and I'm always so pleasantly surprised to see over hundreds and hundreds of emails in there that I never needed to even see. The black hole will use artificial intelligence to get to know you and eventually auto-place emails in there to support your productivity. I check it weekly, like I said, and there's really nothing I'd have changed. What a gift. It is like a magic trick for your inbox. As I mentioned, head on over now to sanebox.com slash U-Turn. That's S-A-N-E box.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of Sanebox for free, as well as a $25 credit for a serious discount on their super affordable membership. If you're anything like me, you are going to be in love with it. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yes. And I want to read something to you and get your perspective on it. And it's by Heidi Priep. Do you know her by any chance? Mm-mm. Okay. So she wrote a book called Letting You Go, or This Is Me Letting You Go. And she wrote a, um, a little excerpt that says the truth about meeting someone at the wrong time. She said, 
Timing is something that none of us can seem to get quite right with relationships. We meet the person of our dreams the month before they leave to go study abroad. We form an incredibly close friendship with an attractive person who's already taken. One relationship ends because our partner isn't ready to get serious, and another ends because they're getting serious too soon. It would be perfect, we moan to our friends, if only this were five years from now, eight years sooner, some indistinct time in the future where all our problems would take care of themselves. Timing seems to be the invariable third party in all of our relationships, and yet we never stop to consider why we let timing play such a drastic role in our lives. Timing is a bitch, yes, but it's only a bitch if we let it be. Here's a simple truth that I think we all need to face up to. The people we meet at the wrong time are actually just the wrong people. You never meet the right people at the wrong time because the right people are timeless. The right people make you want to throw away the plans you originally had for one and follow them into a hazy, unknown future without a glance back. The right people don't make you hmm and ha about whether or not you want to be with them. You just know. You know that any adventure you had originally planned out for your future isn't going to be half as incredible as the ones you can have by their side. That no matter what you thought before you wanted before, this is better. Everything is better since they came along. Um, And then it said, when you're with the right person, time falls away. You don't worry about fitting them into your complicated schedule because they become a part of that schedule. They become the backbone of it. Your happiness becomes your priority. And so long as they are contributing to it, you can work around the rest. So I could read on and on, but I'm just curious, like, what is your take on that? And then I want to ask you about your creative four steps for everybody to get more creativity. I loved that so much. Will you send that to me? Yeah, I will. I want to send it to my friend. Um, I mean, I don't have anything to say other than that was beautiful. And thank you for reading that. I, I, I tremendously like relate and agree. And I think that was what my cousin was trying to say to me in that moment, which I like couldn't understand. And then the same thing that like what my friend Josh said of like, it gets easier because you like realize that like there are more and there are other people better for you. But like the first one sucks because it's, you know, happening for the first time and anything for the first time is like way harder than something you've done before, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, so I want to ask you about creativity and I know that you have kind of a four month process, correct? For kind of that positive creative feedback loop. Am I right with that one? Yeah. So, you know, I think everything's cyclical and I think, you know, seasons and growth and weather like really impacts me you know I grew up in a place with seasons and I've always lived with seasons except you know 2020 was my year of like exclusively summer but um it was so jarring to me you know I started a year in 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 Bali and then I was in Australia for their summer and then I came to LA and have been here ever since and so it's you know been sunny every day and and I am so like discombobulated because I really think that time and seeing the flow of nature is really useful right so I orient my processes around that where like you know I think there are times to be loose and there are times to be tight with your time and your work there are times to be really connected and connected and outward focused and there are times to be inward focused and, and catching up and working and I think it's you know about learning to navigate that and the ups and downs in that and that's, you know, what I base this positive feedback loop that you're talking about on. And 
I have a workshop that's called, I, I'm renaming it to In Process, but it, it has been called Creative Underdogs, where I lead people through a you know process of um, going through four months of you know everything from internal to external. And so the first step, and people can do this like not within Creative Underdogs, although they're like welcome to join in process and renaming it. Um, and this is the same thing I do with people one on one. And so the first step is create space. So I think that before you do anything, you have to like clear the space, like let go of what you need to let go of, like actually physically clearing the space. Like the first month we had a feng shui expert come and create space in the space that you're in. Um, not necessarily getting, doing that if you already have done that, but like creating space in your calendar, creating the time, carving out, like, because in, when you create space, I think the universe rushes in to fill it with goodness and ideas, but you have to like give yourself the space to have that happen. So you do that. And then the next thing is gather. So like now with all that space, gather inspiration and expanders and connection and like, just take in. So take in, take in, take in, be present, listen, connect, like be a little detective, label your feelings, label what's coming up for you, have experience, right? And then the next step, the next month is try. So like collate all of that, that you've taken in, the space you've created and try to like hibernate and put something together. Just throw things at the wall. Like this part is messy. This part is frustrating. This part is fun. It's everything, right? It's like really getting in there. So it's like actually writing the thing, making the painting, trying the class. You know, we have yoga teachers and creative underdogs. We have someone who started a coffee shop in Brooklyn called Daughter. We have someone who started a sake company. We have someone who's a dance teacher. You know, we have a lot of actors. Like, um, you know, it's a really inclusive group that has a wide variety of, of people in different disciplines. And, you know, this is the time where you really try you know and then the last month is share so it's sharing something it's like maybe sharing it to be edited maybe it's putting it on your social media media maybe it's opening your shop you know and I you know some people might think differently about creativity but I believe that like sharing your work publishing the essay is part of the loop it closes a loop because my writing teacher said this to me once I was like writing all these like sad essays and she was like you got to publish them because it does, it like closes a loop on something to share it and get that like outward feedback, you know, the putting yourself out there. And I think for, for all of us, it's, it's crucial to the process. And then you start again, then you create space again, you clear out what doesn't serve you. You gather again, new inspiration. You try again in a new way, perhaps in a new medium, perhaps with a collaborator and you share it again, and you go through it again and again and again, and that's it. Love this. Okay. So month one, you're just in creation space. And, and a lot of that has to do with space. And I actually had read a quote this morning about how creative ideas need space to express themselves. And it makes sense to me because we're walking around with busy minds. And it's like, um, I was I was listening to um, some, some study that was talking about how Stanford found that more than 84% of your best ideas, and I'm not sure how they quantified this, uh, were, were found when you were not working. And so I think that just shows you the power of white space, you know? Um, 
So I know that you also talk about gathering inspiration and um, as another step and trying many things as another step. Can you walk us through these ones and what does it look like to gather inspiration? Because I know some people are probably listening and they're like, I don't even know how to start getting inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to presence, right? Like I think it's, you know, my friend um, is a comedian and he always says you have to live a life worth commenting on, right? So it's like, going out there, doing things, getting messy, like having experiences and then like clocking that and being like, oh, I feel like I could put this somewhere, right? Like, I feel like this could go into a song or I feel like this feeling could go into a painting or like, I want to just go to ceramics and like feel my feelings and like get in there with some clay or whatever it is. I think it's like knowing that like, it's kind of like using your sexual energy, right? Like using your creative potential fully like Brene Brown says is not benign so it's like just be present and aware and like inspiration and creativity will find you right so allowing that um and being ready and open for it to find you so your responsibility isn't to like gather the inspiration your responsibility is to clear space and be present enough to go get it you know and yeah 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 Well, and I also want to point out that, you know, from a standpoint of all of these journal prompts, you know, maybe we can explore a prompt for like somebody who's trying to figure out what inspires them to say, when was the last time I felt inspired and what was going on? Why was it inspiring for me? And maybe starting to track like as a way to self-discover, to take notice of when are you inspired and what's going on to bring that out in you so that you can go and back to the root and make that keep happening for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then I know that, you know, one of my favorite steps in your creativity positive loop. So after creating space and gathering inspiration, you talk about trying many things. And I love this because my book is all about, you know, seeing your career and your life as an experiment. And I think it's a necessary way to live. So can you talk to us a little bit about like, what does it mean to try many things for the sake of creativity? Yeah, I mean, I think my friend's therapist said to him once, like, I, I used to ask a lot on the podcast, like, I feel like, I'm, again, like what I was talking about earlier, like, it's so indicative of like, what was going on with me, what I'm asking on the show. And something I was like, really asking a lot, a couple of years ago is like, I feel like a master of none. And, you know, how do I, like, focus on something to feel better? And, he said to me that his therapist said to him when he was feeling that way, like it's actually a sign of a highly creative personality to be someone who does a lot of things or works in a lot of mediums or has a lot of projects at once and a lot of unfinished essays or whatever. And so I, first of all, I like that. (laughs) And then his therapist said, don't worry about choosing whatever needs to be chosen will rise to the top. Um, Just keep working. And I think, you know, my friend Christine, someone who like, she's a DJ, she like, has a really famous YouTube channel. She is an amazing ceramicist and like does a lot of, she's a photographer. Like she does so much. And she said on my podcast once, she was like, yeah, it's cool. I'm really grateful for all of my jobs because when I don't feel like doing one thing and I'm not inspired, I'll do something else. And then I come back to that. And I think like just not worrying about choosing and doing a lot of things is like, 
not maybe what people think because of that saying, right? Being a jack of all trades and a master of none. It's like, yeah, I'm definitely that. Like, I'm not really great at writing because I don't write all the time. And I'm not really great at podcasting because I don't, you know, have a team around it. And it's not this American life. And I don't, you know, I didn't study it. And I, and I haven't, like, I've, I've gotten more practice in that than in other things. Um, but I think, you know, if you want to get better at something, you have to practice. And if you want to, if you're okay to be a beginner, then that's great. But it's like, it's just, again, self-honesty of like, am I using the master of none thing as like an excuse to like not focus? Or is it okay that like, I want to try a bunch of things and see what sticks. I think especially starting out and things, it's like great to try a lot of things and actually really effective and healthy. Mm, Love this. Okay. And I know your final piece is around sharing and you kind of had touched on this with like publishing your work and kind of like creating that energetic harmony between what's inside of you and what, and and putting it outside of you and, and having some sort of completion with that, not just writing it, but publishing it and owning it. Um, What else does it mean for everyone who's in this positive loop of creativity to share? I think sharing is about, you know, why we have a whole month on sharing is because Sharing is part of the loop in the sense of you, it it creates connection, right? Like the whole reason why we make art is to connect, is to see this is the inside of my brain. I want to show you what it feels like to be in there. Mm -hmm. And I want to show you what it feels like to be in my, my creative self, into my heart, into like whatever's going on within me. And I think to do that, sharing is part of the process, but why we have a whole month around it is because, oh my God, I mean, that's the scariest part, right? For a lot of people, it's also the most exciting part, but it's scary. It's like, here's this thing that's me. It's intimacy, right? Like I believe that as people, we all want to be seen and recognized for who we really are, right? Mm -hmm. But we're afraid to be seen and recognized for who we really are and not loved. So what we want is to be seen and recognized for who we really are and loved for that. Mm-hmm. Um, or accepted or, or just known. We want to be known, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, we wear masks and we hide and we put out versions of ourselves that seem cool or seem aloof or seem mysterious or whatever because we're so afraid that someone sees the inside of us and doesn't accept it, right? And it feels a lot easier to see a version of ourselves that's masked and they don't like that. It's like, well, okay, that wasn't even really me. So it's like putting out something that's truthful that's authentic that's fully you is scary because it's um you know it's judgment like you're putting yourself out there to be judged for who you really are so that's why we have a whole month about it because it's like you need support and gentleness and maybe you're not ready yet to share and that's okay what would what what kind of support system do you need around you so you can and does what you share affect other people mm-hmm. and you know what are you what is the come down of that like there might be a big you know, if it doesn't go well, what are you going to need? If it does go well and you get a big hit of dopamine from that, that's not sustainable. What's the come down from that going to be, you know? So it's like all of those things, you know, I know after I put out a big project, I'm kind of like, even publishing my book, you know, you walk into Barnes and Noble and you see a book and I'm like, okay, you know, like now what, right? It's like, it's just a moving target and not to minimize the accomplishments. Like it's a big deal, but also like, then there's the next one. And you kind of feel like a real intense sadness after that. And and that can be intense. 
Yeah, I definitely had a book hangover after I was done writing. It felt like my pregnancy was over and such a deep feeling. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I'm so excited for everybody to listen and also for them to go over to the Let It Out podcast. And you guys, Katie's having me on there too. So I'm really excited. And um, yeah, where can everybody find you other than the Let It Out with Katie Dalebout podcast? I am just at Katie Dalebout on Instagram and Let It Out is Let It Out with three T's on Instagram. Um, so follow along there and of course the podcast and, you know, we have a zine called the creative combination that if you liked anything that we're talking about, download that zine, it will come right to your inbox and, you know, listen to the podcast. I I co-host a show about mental health as well called spiraling with Serena Wolf. If you want to listen to that, it's about anxiety. Um, and yeah, I, I would just love to connect with you. So send me a DM on Instagram or, um, you know, comment on something. I would love to connect with anyone or if they have any questions, like feel free. Mm, beautiful. Thank you again for being here. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.